love laid Good afternoon or good Bear. evening wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to season five of Love Laid Bear. I'm of course your host Dion. How has everyone been doing? Hope everyone's been keeping up with their self-care. Who started therapy since the last season? What have you guys been up to? Um, I have been resting. Um, I've been brewing and doing a lot of things to kind of make some improvements on the podcast for this season so I hope you guys are looking forward to it. So my first guest for season five is a lovely lady that I met over Instagram. Yes. So <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself actually? This is the worst part. <laughs> <laughs> okay um, I'm Nonny Martins. I am... A black African woman who started Unfertility, which means unconventional fertility, and it's about creating a safe space for black African women to speak about their infertility struggles. And yeah, I met Dion on IG. Yes. <laughs> when, did we, when did we start speaking? Oh, the first, actually, when I released the first, when I wrote my first article, you messaged me or you, you commented. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've been following you for a while though through knee of yeah. Um but um yeah, I think you, you commented on the article saying okay. this was important or something like that. Yeah. And then yeah. So tell us a bit more about unfertility. Okay. Where did it you know, where where did it how was it born? Where did it kind of start from? Yeah, so I have been trying to conceive, trying to have a baby with my husband for almost three years now. Okay. Um at the time of writing. Uh, my first blog post on, on this, I was probably two and a half years in of trying to conceive. But at that point, we didn't know why. We hadn't gone to see any doctors or anything like that. But I'd actually gone into hospital due to some pelvic pain that I had that was completely unrelated, but mm -hmm. I just went into hospital anyway. And when I was there, the doctors or the nurses would ask me, oh, when did you come off contraception? And I'd say, um, two and a half years ago. And they'd be like, and you're trying to conceive. Have you seen somebody? And I'd be like, no. Mm -hmm. And their faces were a bit like, all right, okay. I, I, they don't know why I'd not seen something. But I was still like, no, I haven't because, you know, we're still trying. Trying, yeah. Uh -huh. um, so then I went home. And before I went home anyway at the hospital, my one of the um, doctors was like, you need to, if you, if you are trying to conceive, you need to try and see somebody or get referred to a fertility clinic. Because although we can't explain this pain that you've had, they might be able to do investigations and figure out what's happened, but also mm -hmm. help you on your fertility journey and it was only then that I was like oh my god we've been trying for two and a half years and I've never even spoken about it or got been to see my GP or anything like that and it kind of hit me like a wave like I didn't realize that I had to seek help for something like that I mean you know people seek help but I was yeah. thinking you do when you've got issues and issues, I, yeah. I felt we didn't have any issues so I didn't I didn't bother and then when I came back from hospital, I felt that I needed to do something. But even just realising that I waited too long hit me with so many emotions and feeling like, is there something wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Or 
you know, the way they were a bit shocked that I waited that long, I guess because other people seek help, I don't know, but it just made me feel like something was wrong. But I guess if, in t so in two and a half years, so yeah. I guess you didn't really feel, did you feel pressure during that time to? Um, no, because we started before I got married, so... As you know, with black Africans, it's usually after marriage, marriage. that they want that. <laughs> but I think for me, it was more like an internal um, shame that I felt. Like the first year, I discounted it as like, oh, you know, I'm just still trying to figure it out when I'm fertile, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I discounted it thinking we're not really trying, but we were. The second year, I was like, this is our real year of trying, you yeah. know. And then that didn't happen. So I think it wasn't so much that people were making me feel some type of way, but... When I did realise that I had waited too long, I felt a bit of shame that maybe there is something wrong with me, with me specifically mm -hmm. as, as a woman. And also, I've said this before, that when I um, when I got married, because I'm Southern African, my husband pays a bride price right. for me. And I feel that strongly connected to you with the fact that you're going to bear children and continue his legacy. Aha, uh -huh, yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So, although I'm a liberal and he's a liberal and his family's supportive and all of that, I, I felt that pressure. Not because anybody was necessarily putting it on me, but I felt that that's something that I had to deliver on as a woman. Right. You know? And the whole thing mm. with black women, African women, the our identity is so closely tied to motherhood. Yes, so that's you, very true. So you really yeah. start to feel that I'm not going to be able to achieve this. So what does that make me, you know? Mm -hmm. So then I decided I needed to write about it because probably there's someone else like me who's going through this or who hasn't sought help yet but needs to, or also just creating a space where people can talk about it. And I didn't know anybody in my immediate circle or who had been through this or who had even talked about it. So I just, I'm going to just open start the dialogue and see what happens. Do you know that's very true because I'm I'm trying to think. You know, I know of white couples who have yeah. sought fertility treatment. Yeah. I think I might only know of one. Yeah. One person I think who has sought fertility treatment. Right. Yeah. And actually, should there be more people seeking help who perhaps aren't or they're just not very vocal about it? I yeah. mean, what, what is, where do you think the, you know, aside, aside from, I guess, being a black African, but mm. just women in general, why do you think that we feel this shame when we're not able to I think conceive? So, before I answer that, I just want to say that a lot of people do seek help, apparently, but they don't speak about That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. So, you, we might know more people that have, but we, they just, just they we don't know, said, yeah. you know? Mm. But in terms of why women feel shame, I think there's a, there's a single story about pregnancy that's dominating, you know? So, this whole idea that you get married or you decide to have a child and you try for a few months and you're pregnant, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. That's what we've been told since. That's that's what we know yes. as, as a process. Mm -hmm. And for many people, it is. And that's that's great. I genuinely feel happy for people who it's a very straightforward process. But when when it's not, because you don't have anything else to go with, to go by, you're, you're mm -hmm. a bit like, what's going on? Why me? Or what's wrong with me? Because it's everywhere. Everything about pregnancy makes it seem quite straightforward, but it's not for everybody. Yeah. 
And there could be issues that you don't know at the time that are there either with you or with your husband because infertility is not just on the woman. Yep. Um, yes. <laughs> and that's another thing I really wanted to challenge, just, you know, the whole idea that even with, with me feeling that I have to be the one to deliver, I wanted to challenge the fact that it's it might not be me, you know, that has the issue. And in my case, actually, it's not. You know, mm-hmm. but it's not really about the man or woman. If you're together and you're deciding to have children together, it's a joint thing. It's it's whether yeah. it's him or me, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the single story is so dangerous for when it doesn't happen in that way for somebody. Yeah. Because you feel isolated. When you feel isolated, it's usually because of shame and all these things. Mm-hmm. So it, I think, yeah, if for all women, it's, it's that kind of... I think also as well, as you were speaking, I just something's kind of flashed up in my mind about the kind of biblical context of infertility as well. Right. Because, you know, it's always the woman that's barren. Yes. Yes. You know. Yeah. And I I appreciate back then they they, they wouldn't know that actually the man could also be responsible for troubles with conceiving. That's such a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. That's so true. And I guess in many ways, like I don't really, I don't blame people who, who have that kind of thinking, but I want to um, provide perspective, if yeah. that makes sense. So I'm not saying you shouldn't think, I'm just saying, actually, here's a different scenario, here's, mm-hmm. a, different, here's a different story that challenges what you think you know as truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I had one of my cousins say to me, um, I'm sure your husband still loves you, and it threw me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yes. We grew up pretty much the same, background or upbringing in Zimbabwe but because she's still there I understood why she said so, that okay right. do, you, do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying I've yeah. had a bit more of a exposure or liberal experience than she has but she 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 meant it in a good way well, yeah but it was so flawed yeah and I thought this is why I have to do this. yeah I couldn't believe it she's my age goodness yeah and we have to challenge these things and the conversations are not necessarily going to be comfortable or but I think we need to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. So, yeah. so that it doesn't become a thing, you know. It's just mm-hmm. we're having a conversation and I'm shedding light on something that you might not know. Yeah. What we know currently is not the entire truth. No. So, yeah, it's, it's about sharing a different story. Mm. So it's not so different. I think um, I might kick off with sharing... My story, actually. Okay. And I didn't, think, I didn't think I had one. Right. Until this morning. I was like, oh, but do you remember when? Yeah. So I am um, going to give you guys my birth control history. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> once I started dating my um, ex-partner. Yeah. Um, not long after, I kind of went on the pill, microgynin, devil pill, by the way. I think guys. all birth control is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I went on to microgynin, um, was on that for a few years, and that is when my weight gain started as well. This is what I'm saying, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then following that, I went on to the depot injection, mm-hmm. again, devil, <laughs> <laughs> evil chemicals yeah. these are. Yeah. Um, and I was on that for many, many years until I think the month before we got married. Right. And... Um, because obviously, you know, oh, going to get married, we'll start having children. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, although I came off of the injection, mm-hmm. 
I was still very much like, well, you know, the statistics say that most marriages fail in the first 10 years. So I don't think we should have two years. I don't think we should have children in the first two years. But I was a bit like, I'll just come off it anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. It's going to take ages for it to come up my system. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so said, so done. I think mm-hmm. I probably spoke all of that into my life. Because you know, I said that as well. That you speak into things. Yes. But yeah. So I think, so I got married in August by the October, probably end of October, mm-hmm. um, I'd still had, hadn't had any periods. Right. But I got very excruciating pain one day. Yeah. And I ended up with a ruptured ovary. No way. Yes. So I ended up in hospital. They didn't need to operate or anything like that, but it was just very painful. I was off work for two weeks. Wow. Um, I think my periods took... maybe another month or two to come after that yeah but then what happened was that my cycles were wild so I was was having a cycle like maybe a 52 day cycle yeah I might bleed for 17 18 days no and this was happening I think probably for the the following year and now that I'm thinking back because I must have just blocked this out of my mind yeah there was a time when I was like I'm not getting pregnant and yeah. I've not been, but I kind of saw it as, oh, well, you know, I must still have the birth control body. chemicals in my, in my yeah, body yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's making my hormones go all over the place. But I think you do that. You start to like justify yeah, you do. why it's not happening. Yeah, you do. And I did that for two years. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I think, I think I then went to the doctors and mm. I was like, something isn't right right and anyway so they i remember they did test me and he was like you're fine yeah he's like you're fine he's like you know we've tested your levels yeah 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 you're fine he said yes your your hormones are a bit out of balance yeah but you're but you are fine wow that's crazy that you that's just come up to you this morning yeah because the thing is i mean i got married 10 years ago yeah, so, that would have been a different time as well. It was a different time. You know, I was... Yeah. And also as well, you know, I was in my mid-twenties at the time. Mm. So, again, you know, my, my, my husband is Ghanaian. So, yeah. So there was also that kind of... There's the pressure anyway. When you get married, people are like, so yeah. when are you having when? kids? You know, and... I've only been married two weeks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also as well, I, I find it quite unsettling that people feel like it's okay to discuss your womb and what you do with it. I always wonder why people are so entitled to that. Like, I don't don't Mm. get it. I really don't get it. And I had to really teach my mum, although she means well, I had to teach her mum, wait for me to tell you anything. Yeah. Especially when it comes to this, because actually this is about me and my husband, Mm -hmm. not me, you and my husband. And I know you want to be a grandmother. I understand that. Mm. You need, and, I, and I, I've written about this before, people need to think about the effect of what they say, even if the intention is right. Mm-hmm. How is it going to be received, though? If someone's dealing with something already, mm-hmm. and then you say certain things, you know, we have to be conscious about yes, that. Very. You know? and, I, and for me, that's why, again, I felt that it was important to share the story, because maybe people are aware that actually someone might be going through something. They might think again before they say certain things. Yeah. But I do think people are generally entitled to... A female, a woman's womb, 
Mm. Even to like touching when you're pregnant, pregnant. touching mm. why? Yeah. Why do you feel okay doing that? Yeah. Ask first. Yeah. I always ask first, do you mind if I touch? Yeah, exactly. You know, because on any normal day you wouldn't just come up to me and touch my stomach, yeah. would you? Yeah. Well this is why <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's really strange, but I think pregnancy is the one thing that people just feel it belongs to everyone. Yeah, and it's quite strange. Mm. I mean, I understand. I understand the community aspect. Of yeah, when a child comes into a family, it is, it is a, a joyful thing. But yeah. I, but again, I just feel like people do need to be a bit more respectful. Absolutely. You yeah. know, because I remember in that interim period of us getting married and to me finally having mm. my daughter. Um, which was a choice at that point. Yeah. I chose to have her. Because I remember, I think after the two years, I was like, well, you know, um, I always said I didn't want any children until I was 35. So, okay, yeah, know. yeah. And, and I think for me, once I consciously knew that I was okay. You were fine. I was fine. Right. You know, right. I was fine. So, you know. Yeah. It kind of happened the way it did. But I think even now... As a mother, mm-hmm. the question about children and parenthood still doesn't stop. Because as soon as you have one, right. the next question is, oh, so when is the other one coming? And it's like, oh when, 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 when am I actually ever going to be yeah. free from these Bench. conversations exactly. about my womb and what I choose to, to do. do with it? And people are very opinionated, like, yeah. you know oh, you know, you shouldn't just have one. Oh, you know, it's not fair. Oh, yeah. I remember, wow. again, when I, before I'd had my daughter or was even pregnant, I remember my friend's mum, again, yeah. meaning well, she yeah. said to me, oh, you know, if you just hurry up and give him a baby <laughs> or keep him quiet. That's what I mean. Honestly, I just... <laughs> But this is what I'm saying about the whole thing that black women specifically, our role is to is is, is servitude to the man and his legacy. Absolutely. Literally, that's that's and that's what like our parents' generation think, mm-hmm. and that's so they're saying it's a good thing for you to want to serve him and what he, but it's also it just drives me like. It's, 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 <laughs> yes. I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, like we need to challenge this, like for 100%. real. You know, so. Yeah, no, I, I I, just, it makes me want to write more, more. and like mm-hmm. really be like, right, let's let's have this conversation, yeah. then, you know, just so you can see it's not, one, how damaging it can be, but also that that's not the truth for everybody. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But I liked what you said about when you knew you were okay, you were fine. Because I found that for me in this um, infertility struggle, with all the investigations I've had to go through and like my husband and everything, the knowing has been so empowering. Even yes. when it's been bad news, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, this is this is not quite right, so that means you're going to have to do this. Just knowing wh- what your health is. Yes. Mm-hmm. But knowing what your options are, yes. right? Because mm-hmm. that's the whole point. If you're, if you're struggling with infertility and you don't know where it's going, that's worse. Mm-hmm. But if you know, even if it's bad news, okay, fine. This is not great. So, what do we need to do to make sure we're here or there? Yeah. And these are your options, and and knowing you have options as well. That's yes. been like a saving mm. grace for me because I think a lot of you will think if you say 
um, I'm infertile or we're infertile because it's a couple's thing. People think you can't have children. That's it. Yeah. You're, you're mm-hmm. done. You're not. But pregnancy is still possible. It just might mean you have to be assisted to have the baby or you might decide you're going to have children a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people, IVF or all these assisted means don't work and they choose to have children a different way. We, we can't um, define parenthood by like how you have the child, child, you know, so, but yeah, but the knowing for us has been good just to kind of know where we're going Mm -hmm. and what our options are and once you know your options that you do feel better about it. So yeah, if you could walk us through your journey then, so, so you said that you're trying for a year Yeah. and then it wasn't until two and a half years in when you had your pelvic pain. Yeah. So how soon afterwards did you like start? looking into it yeah so i'm quite lucky because i live up north so there's no waiting time fantastic for appointments <laughs> and to be honest once we started doing the investigations everything's moved really fast but um a week after i came out of hospital i was referred to my gynae to a gynae and i met him and they did more tests and stuff but they couldn't figure out so the pelvic pain they don't know what that was about oh. they, we still don't know up to now um, but that, they, maybe was that just something to get you into the hospital? Do you think? But this is what I'm saying. Like, because imagine if that hadn't happened, I don't know whether I would have gone to the GP. And I keep thinking about this. I kept saying to my husband, "Oh, we'll wait until January." But 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 why? Mm. What's January got to do with it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I'm so glad anyway that I went in. So we were referred to the gynae who did loads of tests on me, because they start with the women, because there's a lot more things they can do with women, yeah. like in terms of tests. The men is just semen, and that's mm-hmm. it. Um, so I was tested for PCOS, which they initially thought I had, because yeah. I have irregular periods. My periods can be 52 days, oh, 36, wow. okay. 29. Um, and then I had a test for my hormones. So mm-hmm. I forgot the names, on them, but all the hormones that we have as females. Yes. So they checked those to make sure they're at the right level for when you um for you to conceive sorry and then i had a transvaginal scan okay to check your ovaries and all like um the fallopian tubes and everything mm-hmm. just like make sure there's no blockage or anything yeah. like that so when i first had that done they saw something in my right ovary which because i'd had this pain pelvic pain in my right side they'll be like oh what's going on there mm-hmm. but i was just about to go my period so sometimes when you because the follicle has just released an egg, yeah. it can still show. Mm-hmm. So that we're not sure whether it's um, endometriosis or you've got, or you were just about to go on your period. So I went again at a different time of my cycle and it was gone. Okay. So we can assume that I don't have endometri- endometri- endometriosis. Yeah. I can't say it. But that would affect implantation and all these mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, and then we had my husband's semen analysis. And then we got that back. That was the last thing we got back. And then we found out that because he's he's a dialysis patient, his kidneys failed when he was 22. So he has dialysis every so often. Um, and he's been on it for 10 years now. So okay. that's, studies have shown that um, dialysis can affect sperm count and right, sperm okay. movement. So we found out that his sperm count is low. And the movement of the sperm as well isn't that great. Mm-hmm. So that basically narrows down our options to IVF. So when we went into this, we thought we'd have, I don't know, other options, like maybe um, hormone therapy for me to kind of regulate my cycle. Because mm-hmm. I thought it was me. Yeah. I really did. Not because, 
it's a woman thing or anything like that but I really thought I have an erratic cycle yeah. like I don't know what's going mm. on um but then we found that out and then the, the gynae said to me you just haven't been exposed to healthy sperm so wow. the success rates for you for IVF are good and I was just like three almost three years later <laughs> so hearing for you and your husband so hearing that news that on one hand, you're fine. Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, the issue is him, basically. Yeah. How did your conversation go? With me and him? Yeah. So I didn't say anything before we got the results. Because I didn't want him to worry. Okay. But I was worrying, like, a lot. I was worried for him as a man, but mm -hmm. also as, as a Nigerian man. Um, and I, I just, I wasn't sure what I was going to be able to do to make him feel okay. Yes. If mm -hmm. it wasn't good. And I don't know why I had a feeling it wasn't going to be good. I don't know why. There was nothing to, like, give me that impression at all. Mm. I just had a feeling. And I was, like, having anxiety attacks at work. Because we were, we were meant to go for our appointment at 3.30 p.m. And I was at work literally doing breathing exercises in the toilet because I was so wow. worried for him. Yeah. So anyway, I met him at the surgery and... Before we were seen, I just said to him, babe, no matter what happens, no matter what the results say, it doesn't matter. We're going, we're going to be parents. But I didn't want to say too much because I didn't want him to like... Yes. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, don't worry. We have options. We're going to be parents. It doesn't matter what they say. And I was more worried that because his kidneys had failed at 22, mm. he might see this as another blow. Right. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like... Why, why is my body doing this yeah. to me? But because of that, I felt that he was more like, look, I know that the body can let you down sometimes and that's just the way it is. Mm. So he was like, I'm not internalising this at all. Fantastic. And I was just like, wow. What? <laughs> what? And I was just like, thank you, God. Because I really, I wasn't sure what I would have needed to do as his wife if he didn't take it well. Yeah. What do you, what do you, mm. you know? So it was literally a two-minute two, two minute conversation, and he was like, I'm good. I'm not worried. And then we got the, word, the uh, results, and he was like, okay, so what's next? He was very much like, right, what do we need to do? Do I need mm -hmm. to change my diet? Do I need to, you know, what do we need to do? So he was very solution-focused rather than, like, dwelling. Yeah. And I'm well, lucky. I'm really lucky. Honestly, yeah. I'm really lucky in that sense. So, And one of my friends said to me, you know, it's crazy, maybe the whole thing him going through dialysis helped was like part of this whole journey so that mm. when you get to this point you're not dealing with um fragile masculinity yes because can you imagine i can can you <laughs> <laughs> so i'm really lucky i am really lucky so yeah and even after that he's been fine because initially i thought oh, maybe he's just saying that now mm -hmm. and but no he's fine he's quite excited about IVF I don't know who gets excited about IVF but but yeah he does have some progressive sperm which is a sperm that they they call good sperm progressive sperm mm -hmm. so he's got some in there which so an IVF will pick out the best sperm for fertilization okay out of his pool so so following so following the revelation of that mm-hmm did that, in a weird way, perhaps take a little bit of the stress 
obviously it's of it away a little bit. Yeah. I think each stage, like the more we found out that I was like there was no, I didn't have PCOS, I didn't have this or that. The more I found out that I didn't have like there wasn't necessarily nothing fundamentally wrong with me. I I felt better. Mm-hmm. I do, I, that sounds strange because I don't know I don't know how to explain it, but I knew that it wasn't like oh I was doing something wrong mm, or yeah. mm-hmm. there was something really wrong with me or I'm, I don't have any eggs at all or do you know that kind yeah. of thing. So mm-hmm. I felt better at each. This is what I say: the gift of knowing. Like we hide from the truth sometimes, but they can set you free, as yes. we know. Mm-hmm. And I have felt freed by the whole experience and. And knowing what our options are, and even though it's just IVF, there's a relief in that as well, because we've been doing this for almost three years now. If they had said, we're going to offer you another kind of treatment that's going to take about six months, and then maybe IVF at the end of it, that's extending the time. And I mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been happy with having more time added to this process. Yeah. And I think with IVF as well, there's like a cutoff point which I think is healthy to have. Because after you, you have your two to three cycles, if you decide you're going to go private, you're going to have to think about that because it's a lot of money. It's about £8,000 a cycle, I think. Per cycle? Yeah. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. I knew it was expensive, but I didn't yeah, know Yeah, was... I think it depends where you live. So I think it's between six and eight Wow. per cycle. So for me, there's that, like, at least check-in point at mm. the end of that where you kind of decide, okay, are we going to remortgage the house I don't know because yeah. where do you get that kind of money from really mm. but are we gonna adopt are we gonna you know it makes you maybe think about things again or reevaluate. let me say yeah. so I I think that's a good I mean if it doesn't work I'm hoping obviously it does work but if it doesn't I think it would just offer a good check-in point for us mm. so could you explain to the listeners for those who don't know yeah. exactly how the IVF process yeah. works. Okay. So as far as I know, because I haven't had my um, consultation yet, but so what happens with IVF is that you, the first appointment is when they shut down the woman's menstrual cycle. So they completely shut it down. So they give you um, like hormone therapy to stop your, your periods, everything. Okay. Completely stop it. Because what they're trying to do is, so they stop it and they give you something else so your ovaries can produce more eggs. Eggs, ah, okay. For egg retrieval day. Right. Do you get it? So you can't be having periods because that's losing eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just to create an environment where they're controlling it and not all the other factors in your body. So you do that, I think it's for two weeks. And then your ovaries are swelling with eggs, hopefully. And then they retrieve the eggs from from you, from the woman. Um, so did you know how many they take? So I, I don't think they can choose. Because when they do the retrieval, some people say they've come out with 24 eggs. Some people oh, come really? out with like five eggs. The more, Obviously, the oh, more the better. Okay. But I think it's, it just happens randomly. I don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. But they don't decide, basically. They so, just kind of collect what they can collect. Yeah, in the okay. time that they can. But mm-hmm. I don't know whether they do it on both sides. But... So they retrieve the eggs and then these eggs are, they have to grow, I think, until for five days, I think the eggs, a bit more in a... Like a petri dish. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And then they get um, fertilized with the sperm, so your husband's sperm. And then those turn into embryos. Obviously, not every embryo makes it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's say you started off with 24 eggs. Maybe only 14 get fertilized. And maybe only then 9 get maybe to yeah. day 5. Because mm-hmm. day 5 apparently is the optimum stage. Right. Day 5 of the embryo. And then they insert it back into the woman's womb, hopefully for implantation to take place. And then two weeks later, you take a pregnancy test to see if it's been successful. So what's the timeline of this then? I think it's about six weeks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that could, that's, that could be quite an emotional roller coaster. I am dreading it. That's the truth. Because I think that is... Because you're doing something that's meant to be quite concrete in, the sen- mm. in terms of the science, but then your body might not, you might not implant, and then oh, yeah. that's a, it hasn't happened, and then you've got to do it again. And also it depends on how many eggs you've got. So mm. if you've only got nine embryos, the good thing is you can use all of your um, embryos. So if it doesn't work, so you, can you, try can, them all you can do it, yeah, because okay. they freeze them after day five. So you can use all nine of them or all four or whatever until you fit. And that, that counts as one cycle. Okay, you... so so if they so if they have nine embryos, yeah. they will keep implanting all nine. Yeah. If that doesn't work, that's one cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you... So it, depending on how many how eggs many you, you get. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. you might end up with two embryos at the end of it. So if it doesn't work the first time, the first time they only use one embryo back into your womb. Mm-hmm. After that, they put two. That's why IVF, there's a higher chance of twins and all this right. stuff. Mm-hmm. Because they put more for like a higher chance of with one of them. But then you, most of the time, I think, it ends up being both. Okay. Um, but there's now um, a guideline, I think, before people were having like four kids, six kids at the same time because there wasn't any like rule as to how many... You could put in at one time. So I think now mm. it's just two. Maximum. Yeah. But if the first one doesn't work and it's just one embryo, anything, any time after that, they have to put in two. Oh, I to see. To increase the chances, right. basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So even though, like, let's say you've got nine embryos, you've used one, you've got eight left. But if, if they keep using two each time, you've only got four mm. chances, essentially. Mm-hmm. And if you're successful on the first one, the first um, cycle of IVF, when you want a second child, you have to go private. Oh, I see. Yeah, I found that Why out. Why is that? I know, but I think, I'm not sure. They said if you have frozen eggs already, you can just use your frozen eggs and it's cheaper because they're not... Um, they're retreat. not going through the whole process. Yeah. Right. Mm. But I think they said something about you, they have to create, obviously, opportunities for other people who haven't had children. Okay. Which kind of makes yeah. sense. But if you can't really afford it, then I don't know how that works. Mm. So, Yeah. That is roughly the process. So aside, so would you have any other options? Besides IVF? Yeah. You mean for my situation specifically? Yeah. No. So IVF or nothing at all? When there's issues with the sperm, your only option is IVF. Okay. In any scenario. But if it's like something to do with a woman or whatever, they can can usually do certain things, whether it's like, I don't know... um, hormone therapy to increase your egg production or something to balance your hormones. They can usually do more for women than they can do if it's a male factor. It's called a male factor if it's in the man. Okay. So because of our situation, no. 
So, you said you're dreading it. Yeah, I am. I don't really know what to expect. But so I know is, it, is it the unknown of it that you're dreading or...? Well, first of all, anything where you have to alter the body and or, or put things in the body. I'm very conscious about what goes... Even when I was on birth control, this is why when you started talking, I was like, mm -mm. <laughs> I have the copper coil, which has no hormones at all. It just acts. But it just still has copper though. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah exactly. But there's still something in you. Yeah. But I was just like, I don't want anything released into my blood, blah, blah, blah. Um, so with IVF, there's so much that you have to inject into yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried about that. I'm worried about what it's going to do to my body. Mm. And not, not in a like, you know vain kind of way or anything like that but just i don't know how how lasting those effects are you yeah. know so even after i've had a child am i going to be worried about something that happened mm. for my vf yeah, meds you know that mm. kind of thing but even the injecting everyday thing i'm I'm not looking forward to that so where do you have to inject yourself i think is it your like navel area or is it your bum i can't remember and you've got to do that yourself yeah at home yeah Wow. So maybe my partner will do it, but I, do, I, I don't know whether I'd want him doing it. <laughs> I'd rather do it myself. <laughs> just so I can, I know it's me. Just, um, but also the unknown, yes. Um, it's, it's not something that I've ever been exposed to. Mm. So I don't know. And I don't know how I'm going to be more so, as in like emotionally or mentally. So if it doesn't work the first time, I don't know how I'm going to... Am I going to just keep it moving? Because that's how I mm. generally do it normally. Or am I going to be hugely affected by it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just so... It seems like a like an abstract kind of concept to me at the moment. Because I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. But hopefully it'd be fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm very much into like speaking things into existence so if we yeah. just on the basis that it will be fine yeah and the fact that we're having this conversation and so many different ears are going to receive this yeah that we're kind of just shooting that message out to the universe yes. multiple times because yes. it will be fine yeah and you know it will be yes 2020 we might see a, i like that <laughs> we might see a little you know but i think we also have to be me and my husband I've, I've, we've been quite realistic through the whole process and just not trying to get too ahead of ourselves yeah. I know it's like where you want to be excited that oh yes starting the process mm. but then not too excited then then the disappointment is like so yeah. you know so it's just trying to keep that balance I think and and I'm one of those people I do this thing where I, ex I expect the worst it's really bad <laughs> oh we're gonna have to work on you <laughs> So that I'm surprised when it's good. Yeah, no, you kind of need to work on the other end. Yes. Or at least yes. just have have a nice little kind of yeah balance. I mean, we 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 did an, op an episode called How to Change Your Mind where we spoke specifically about speaking things into existence. existence. And yeah. there's a quote by Abraham Hicks who says, all things are possible... In the absence of resistant thoughts. Yeah. True. I like that. You know? I do like that. So. You're not going to like this one though. <laughs> <laughs> when I was talking to somebody before, I think I was about 14. And in my mind, I don't know, something came to me. And it was like, 
I'm not going to be able to have kids when I was 14. When you are 14? It's not even like I was trying then, obviously not. Of course. But something just came. I don't know. Something just hit me. Like, I love kids so much. Anybody mm. who knows me knows that. And I just thought, because I want it so much, I think I'm not going to be able to have kids. So when this started happening, I was like, oh my God. Wow. Did I speak this? Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. But you can always turn it around. Yeah. Though. This is the thing. You yeah. can always turn it around. Yeah. How many children, like when you, when you were, you know, younger or yeah. even now, like how, how did you visualize your family kind of looking? Girls, first of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> girls. Yes. And maybe, I always thought I'd have maybe three girls. Okay. Um, Triplets. Oh, I hope so. No, no, no I should do it. I think that'd be a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know, no. And they'd have um, dreadlocks. Okay. <laughs> or natural hair. Natural hair, yeah. And so I was always picture. I would always picture them being very like, obviously British because they're growing up here, mm-hmm. but like with a real sense of like Africans. Af- yeah, yes. mm-hmm. you know, and just how I would instill that in them and travel with them, so they have their own connection yeah. to home. You know. So, yeah, I think that's... <laughs> I'm speaking that into existence Existed. now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you... How do you feel about twins? I've been thinking about this a lot. And um, my husband's mum, she's, she's late now. Before she, she passed away, she said to me, you're going to have twins. Interesting. And I've been thinking about this a lot. And I was like, ooh, now we're doing IVF. It's very much a possibility, mm, isn't it? You know, if I think I would want twins because then just once and that's it, and have the two kids and then finish. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I don't know about coping with the actual demands of motherhood with two of them at the same time. Yes, because that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even know how people do it. People who do yeah, do I it. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. People used to wish twins on me a lot and I used to be like, no. No, yeah. It doesn't really sound like... I don't mean fun. I just mean... It just... Yeah. that It's just a lot of work. I mean... It is. One, one alone is... This is what so I mean. So much work. So then to have to deal with two... Yeah. To me, is, is quite frightening. But, I mean, but people do it and they get through and... Yeah. You know, People have triplets and quadruplets and I know. all that kind of stuff and they're yeah. still alive. <laughs> no, I have been thinking about it. I would prefer it in the sense of like having, going from like trying for X amount of time mm. to having two. Um, but I, I, I do think about how, but I don't know. Meeting their needs, maybe, yeah. let me say. Mm-hmm. And also my needs, I think. Because if you've got two, then gosh. I don't know. But it's one of those things, if it does happen, you, you make it work, yeah, don't you? absolutely. You have so, to. yeah. I, I do feel that there's something there with the twins thing. And I don't, it might not happen for me, but there's just, just something that keeps mm. coming back to me about it. And don't Nigerians have, like, the highest rate of twin births? Oh, do they? Yeah. Really? It's like a... It's like a oh, phenomenon. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know that. I think it might be a particular... Maybe it might be a particular area, but Nigeria yeah. itself is known to have the most right. amount of twins. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. you never know. You never know. God's will. Whatever it is. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, 
you've you've started your platform yeah was there did you feel a little bit scared or how confident did you kind of because because to kind of step out and mm. be like okay look this is happening to mm. me right now because yeah. some because you find sometimes that people will go through something then once they've got through it yeah. then they'll start to talk about the past yeah now what i find quite impressive of you is that you are slap bang right in the middle of your process so yeah what kind of made you have the confidence to kind of come out now and talk about your journey as you're kind of going through it you know i did think about it when i was starting this platform and i thought maybe i should just do it when i have kids because then i have kids and no one can say anything about me my biggest thing was people like talking about me. I know it sounds silly. No, I'm I, I, I'm completely I was like black people. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and also because I'm so private, like no one knows really anything about even like people that I know. They don't really know what's going on with me, and I and I've kept that for such a long time. And then going from that and sharing something so personal, I was mm. a bit like. Mm. And then also, obviously, I had to consider my husband. So I yes. had to ask him, because it's not just about me. So initially, I, I was like, I really feel like doing this, because I, I think that I need it. I think that I need to do it, rather. Yeah. Um, and he was like, if you feel that way, yeah, that's fine. I'm okay with it. Wow, you know? he's so supportive. I know. <laughs> I don't know what I did to deserve this. But yeah, he was just a bit... I think because he could see that I was struggling with it. Yeah. You know, so I'd have moments where I'd just be crying mm. out of nowhere, and he'd be like, right, okay. Um, so I think he knew that it's something that I needed to do. Mm. So I asked him first, but then even then I was like, oh, I, I don't think, but I wrote, I'd written the first article and I was like, I'll just leave it on my computer. But then something kept saying to me, and for a long time, I'd been having this thing that you need to do something meaningful. Mm. There's something that you need to do that, and it's going to be meaningful. It's going to help women. I, I just had that had in the that, back of my yeah. mind and I was like, and I don't like social media and everything, but then this thing was like, you're going to do it on social media. And I was like, I hate social media. So then it just came to me. I thought, I'm going to have to do it. I'm just, I'm just going to have to do it. And then I posted the, um, my blog and then I, I went to sleep. I put my phone on silent, everything. I was just like, right, going to bed. And when I woke up and looked at all the messages and everything, wow. I wasn't confident at the time of posting. I was just like, I but need. You just, but you just did it. I just need to do this, mm. you know, and it might help somebody. Or or even it might connect me with somebody yeah. that I can talk to about. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just create uh, friendships. And I've met really lovely people now online who've mm -hmm. spoken to me about their... And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you're out there. Yeah. But obviously not visible, which is mm. fine because that's personal choice. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't confident at the time of posting, but when I did post it... And how people resonated with, like, you know, just how important it was. Even people who had children, they were just like, you know what, this is huge. Mm. We need to have these conversations. Yeah, we definitely do. And I think, like you said earlier, particularly in um, black spaces. Yeah. Because I almost feel like there's this notion that, maybe rightly or wrongly, I don't know, but that... Yeah. You know, black women, we're Mother Earth, and you exactly. know, we exactly bring forth multiple children, and yeah, you know, and, yeah, you yeah, know, typically yeah, yeah, our families yeah. are very big, big. And, and that type we, of thing. We are hyper fertile as as yeah. blacks. That's generally the story, mm. you know. But I think that's a big reason why I was like, 
show them not the only one. Yeah. You know, and I and we have to talk about this. This again, the single story. It's not. It's not true for everyone, mm. and we can't make people feel. Maybe who don't fit that high preferred narrative, we can't make them feel less than. Yeah, mm. yeah, and we we can't be silent. Just suffering in silence. Yeah. Like I didn't, and I I'm just one of those people. Anyway, I I'm not really a suffer in silence kind of person. Mm-hmm. Just with anything. And, yeah, so I was just like, you know, this this is kind of me as an I am out there as a person. But then it was quite different because it's very personal. Mm-hmm. It's very personal. But it felt necessary. Mm-hmm. I think that's the word. Has any particular culture stood out as being a bit more... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Less... Yeah... Supportive isn't the word I'm looking for, as in maybe less understanding, would you say? I think, um, okay, so when I when I put my story out, the first people I was worried about were my in-laws. Not even because they've made me feel so or, or less supportive or anything like that, but because, again, going down to the whole bride price thing, and I, I felt as an in-law... That I owed them. Interesting. Okay. I really did. Mm. I really did, and I had to kind of look at that program, that programming that I had mm. as a child, and think, mm. where is this coming from? Yeah. You know, I really had to look into that. Um, but in terms of the cultures, mm, I wouldn't say one has been like less supportive, but like, like people have said to me, like, oh, you know, it's so taboo, you know, infertility or whatever, and taboo. And that threw taboo. me. That threw me. Yeah. Taboo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. T word. It came out a lot of times. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and they're like, oh, you know, yeah, we just don't speak about these things in our cultures, and I was just like, this is something very real that I'm mm. actually going through, and it's taboo. Like I don't. So yeah, I think. I think. Maybe because I'm, I know Zimbabweans more than I know Nigerians, but they were very much like, create the impression that everything is okay. Maybe everybody's like that. I don't know. It's always about perception, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, this is yeah. it, and you know the whole like, oh, people can't see my car if it's not a nice car. Or so, this was very much like, oh, you can't really. Um, people were uncomfortable with the fact that I was speaking out about it. I would say, mm-hmm. more so Zimbabweans. I would say that. I had a huge amount of support, definitely, from Zimbabweans, but there were people of different ages as well who have, who, who told me or said to me, oh, it's very taboo, you know, blah, blah, blah. Did you find it more from the kind of older generation or was it like a fair mix? Would you it say? was quite a fair mix, actually. Wow, that's interesting. Some people in their 30s. Wow. Yeah. But if you think, like, especially... We, I think we become what we um, raised to be or whatever. So yeah. mm-hmm. a part of me was like, I, I get you and I get that. Mm. But I, I always say, don't impose your own, I don't know, feelings of being uncomfortable with this onto me. Mm. I'm, I'm comfortable obviously sharing it because I'm doing it. But if, if you're uncomfortable with it, that's not my business. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And then there was people who didn't say anything, who definitely saw my story, but didn't say a word. And I'm like, it's cool. I mean, you don't have to <laughs> yeah, say yeah. it. But then I think that's a form of silencing. 
Because you're making me feel mm. like what I'm telling, what I'm talking about is uncomfortable or not worth you. Yeah. But if I had said, I'm pregnant, you would have messaged, messaged me. Of course, 100%. So I have a real issue with that. Yeah. If you were not going to message me if I was pregnant, that's cool, fine. But if you were, and I, and I know the people that didn't say anything, they would have been like, oh my God, congratulations. But then mm. when it's a different mm. story, you're not even going to say a word. Yeah. And there was family members that I felt should have said something, especially when there's like, I don't know, family history of certain things like fibroids or whatever. I think mm. people or family should be talking openly about that. A lot that. more openly. Because you can you can save yeah. someone, your your daughter, your yeah. niece or somebody, a lot yeah. of unnecessary heartache because like, exactly. knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. So I, I wouldn't say less supportive, but I think people who were just silent about it, mm. um, you're kind of perpetuating the whole stigma, essentially, yeah. I think. And and this is again, I kind of love the fact that you said that because this is really what Love Laid Bear is mm. is mm. all about. Mm. It's about having those conversations that make people uncomfortable. Yeah. And you know, like I was saying to your fair, you know, I've got quite a big listenership um, with quite a few African nations. Yeah. And you know, I'm hoping that they will hear this conversation and it may just change some of their ideas about what yeah. they kind of think is okay and acceptable to talk about yeah and look even based in the uk i mean yeah exactly the, like, like i said to you earlier you know i only really know of one person or couple that have had ivf yeah. that's not to say there aren't more exactly exactly you know exactly. and don't get me wrong everyone has their kind of right to privacy absolutely but absolutely. you but this conversation is very much more apparent in in, in white spaces because yes it is they oh, were huge you know it's, it's not. It's literally. It's nothing. It's nothing. You just have to put the hashtag in. I was shocked. I was like, women are talking about this all the time, every day. Mm. I'm not, but I couldn't find brown skin girls doing it. I couldn't. And then mm. I found a few, like one of the girls I'm really close with now, and she, she's been through IVF and she's helped me so much. Wow. But, but she decided to write after. Afterwards. She had a child. Mm. Um, but it, it's still good. See, I, I, I respect I respect the fact that you're doing it whilst you're on your journey because I think Thank sometimes you. when you when you've kind of don't get me wrong, yes, mm. when you've gone through it, you've had the experience, it's kind of nice, but I feel like there is more of um you can connect more to the feeling whilst you're in that whilst moment. Whilst you're in it, absolutely. I agree you know? with that. I do really. Because I was, I was just reading back some of my posts when I was coming to you. And some of those things, I don't remember them. As, you know, as I was mm. writing them, I really, I was like, oh, oh wow, Wait, I wrote this. Did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> because I've moved on from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if I'd done this after I had children... And I also wanted to be very real. Mm -hmm. that, I think that's why I was like, I've got to do it now because... When I have a child, I'm going to be too happy about having a child. That yeah. I might not be able to recreate those moments. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I thought there is a, there should be a space for people who are going through it right yes. now. Mm -hmm. And because I don't know what the end of my story is going to look like, I don't know. Mm. But, but we need that. We need, we need, we, I felt I needed that visibility myself. No, and it definitely needs to be documented. Yeah. It like, yeah, because yeah. There, there is going to be somebody out there who's listening or yeah 
or what have you that hasn't is has probably been looking yeah for yeah. someone who looks like them to talk about the thing that exactly. they're going through I looked I I created a space that I was looking for that's that's how this came High about five, <laughs> thank you yes that's really what it was mm. I was like even if nobody connects with it I need this space yeah. and if I can do this for somebody else and if they're going to do it in their privacy that's fine mm. And this, so. and, I, and I feel like as well, you know, writing about what you what you're going through in your traumas also is a really personal space of therapy as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Because even if you decided to not make yeah. your, your your you know your articles, yeah, in, put them out there and stuff like that. Yeah, you've actually taken the time to actually sit down and exactly sit with your feelings yeah. and Process. put down the paper. Yeah, read it back. Do, do you know? What yeah, I mean? there's, yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's so much um, growth in that. There is. There really is. And I I get before I write like a post or whatever for like maybe a week or so, I'm really anxious only because I, f I feel like I've got things to say, mm -hmm. but I'm sitting, I'm sitting with it and it's making me anxious and it's just making me feel some type of way. But when I write and I, and I, even if I don't publish it or whatever, but when I write and I put it onto paper, like literally offload, yeah, I feel, I feel like there's a sense of release. Like, yeah, you can let go now because mm. it's gone yeah. out of you. So I definitely believe in the power of writing, even if it's not for, for people or isn't for a platform or whatever, just for you to process and deal and unravel and yes. like really just understand. How so how does your how does your husband kind of Because I think sometimes Yeah. Like um I remember I went to this event uh probably maybe about three or four months ago and um one of the panellists was saying, I think he's from Dope Black Dads, actually. Mm. And he was saying that how he really struggled when um, him and his wife had a miscarriage. And right. he was he went into depression and he felt suicidal. Mm. And I think sometimes, I'm, I don't think it's, we don't mean it, but sometimes men get lost in the conversation. Yes. In terms do. of, you know, how are they affected? You know, yeah. and I think because, you know, motherhood is seen as such a woman yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, he probably feels like he has to be the one that holds the woman up and yeah. whilst neglecting his own feelings. So how, how, did, or does your husband, how does he kind of, you know, deal with what's going on? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, my husband's very different to me. And I don't know whether this is typical of Nigerians, but um, he's not, he's not really an emotional person. Or like at least <laughs> he he does not interact with things in that in an emotion from an emotional space, mm -hmm. and um, it's it's a, it's an interesting one. So I I think he's very matter of fact. So he's like right, let's get the facts. What are we dealing with? Blah 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 blah. And if you can make sense of that, he's good. Okay. As far as me doing this. I'm not even sure whether he reads my... I don't know. But then sometimes you'll <laughs> say something. I'm like, oh, you read my books. <laughs> <laughs> like I did a radio interview um, one time and he, people told me after that he'd sent them the link, like oh. literally an hour before, like of his family and uh -huh. stuff. And said, oh, Nancy's on radio at this time, you know. And I was just like, oh, that's so cute. cute. <laughs> but I don't know whether he reads all of my posts because he knows it anyway, but I don't know whether he reads it from like a, what is she doing mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um... No, he's just not. He's just not an emotionally driven person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I really, I'd have to ask him that. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. But that's it's kind of made me think. I don't. I don't want to shut him out. So that's really good that you've you've said that. Just thinking a bit more of him mm. as well and how he's processing and yeah. stuff. Because like you said, it is. You you think it's very much a woman thing, and then yeah, and I, I, yeah. And I can imagine it must be just difficult in the sense of, you know. Just being a man and masculinity and, you know, mm. you're, you having to just be that strong one. But, yeah. then you, but then you, as a man, you're never really going to fully understand the toll that it's going to take on the woman. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's that might a, be a nice blog post, don't you? I know. That's mm. a really good one. I actually thought about asking him to write something. Yeah. Or maybe even if you just interview him and then you write yourself. Yeah. And then that way... He'd just be like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's just... Yeah, no, that's a really good one. I'm going to have a discussion with him about that. That'll be good. Mm. Yeah. But it's definitely made me check in, like, not to overlook yeah. his own perspective mm. and stuff. But I think, as most Nigerians are like, he's very driven, like, to he wants to have a family. That's mm-hmm. such a big thing for him, you know, before me, besides me. Um, so maybe there is that weight, I don't know, of, mm. is that going to happen for him? Probably. Yeah. Um, and all his brothers have children. Okay. So maybe there's that, you know, that's, that's... So I guess that's the, uh, probably another pressure for him, I guess. Yeah. Being yeah. the only, so is he like the youngest? Yeah, he is. Youngest. He's youngest. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he still kind of has time on his side then. I, because, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and because we've not been married long, I suppose. But yeah, maybe there's there's a bit of that, and the whole you know you want to. His family is big on legacy, so mm. I think maybe there's there's something to do with that. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. So outside of say your mum, who might you know apply a little bit of pressure. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, ma. <laughs> Is there, I mean, how, how, have you got siblings or? I've got younger siblings. Younger siblings. So, um, and actually, I think maybe this is why the situation is a bit easier for me. I was the first girl in my family to get married, as in cousins and. Right, okay. So, even, and I have older cousin, female cousins, and they've, they've not been married yet or have children, they don't have children. Mm -hmm. So maybe in terms of like family pressure. It's not really been there because, well, my older cousins don't. So they've had to, like, carry the load, the majority of the Probably. load. Probably, yeah. Before came along. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's And then maybe they'll be thinking, well, we can't really say that to her. Cause her she's not really, she's not, yeah. You know, so maybe, yeah. Mm. It's, it's only now that I'm thinking about that. Yeah, mm. so... Um, has, has this kind of taken away from enjoying your first year of marriage, would you say? Um... In hindsight, probably. Yes, probably. But my... Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, it probably has. Mm. Because... And also because we were quite naive. Because mm. we thought it would happen quite soon. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we spent... Yeah, soon after our wedding, we're like, yeah, yeah, this is definitely going to happen now. And, you know, so since then, we've kind of spent our time doing this, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. Not to say we've not lived our lives, because life has to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think yeah, that's a good point. 
we've not really just been like, let's just be hmm. married. But then we'd lived together before, so we're kind of over that, the excitement of that. But we've been consumed by this. I would, I, I mean, I have personally. Hmm. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, that's a good point. Hmm. Yeah. Is there, is there any time before you start the process to just be? Me and him? Yeah. No, I just feel like things have been moving. It's so fast. Yeah, no, not really, because then... Oh, no, not really. Not really, actually. But I think because we've both been so much, like, being parents is, mm. is part of what we're trying to do together. Yeah. And we will be when we have kids, mm -hmm. when we're a family. Yeah. And I, that's been our thinking, I think. Okay. You know? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and in a way, like, we almost wouldn't rest until we got to that point. Mm. Which is, yeah. Mm. Your line of questioning is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we've been forward obsessed a lot more than... Mm being present maybe mm. yeah and then this whole idea like looking at the ideal place that we want to be and focusing so much on that yeah yeah I, I definitely think we've done that I do I mean we enjoyed ourselves as boyfriend and girlfriend so it's yeah. it's not so much that we feel like oh we should have done this we should have done yeah um, I think, but like you say, it's just hindsight because yeah. in the moment you don't even yeah. realise yeah. that, oh, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, honestly, now I'm like, oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. But because our, it's hard to explain, like, our vision is is us with kids. Kids, yeah. And that's been, it's for mm. both of us as individuals and, and together. Yeah. So. We can do on your journey back up <laughs> home, you know, book a parachute jump for both of you. Yes, <laughs> do something. Get some yeah. stuff off the bucket list before. Yeah, yeah, you know. definitely. Oh gosh, yeah, 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 yeah. Make time for us. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. I do. I agree. Love, laid, bear. Um, one thing, one theme that has been apparent from the beginning is the um, people telling us to relax. It will just happen. And I, I do, I, I know that people mean well, and, and, I, and I understand that, but I think people have said to me, oh, relax, you have time. Okay, so I'm 30, so me having time, so I should be doing this for the next 10 years, and that's, that's okay. For mm. me, it's not. So yeah. I just think when people say just relax, they... It's easy to say that if you're not dealing with infertility. Mm -hmm. And we're dealing with time anyway. Because, like, when you're trying, you have to wait a mo every month. Do you know what I mean? You can't yeah. try mm -hmm. every day of the week. You, you, you can, but you're only fertile for, like, a week in a month. Yeah. So you have to keep waiting until the next month. And to try every single month. So to say to somebody that you've got time, it's not reassuring. No. And the, the anxiety well, yeah. that you're going to have yeah. when it's the lead up to your period. You're like, oh my God. Exactly. Can I feel something? Oh, you start to, oh, this sometimes, oh my gosh, no, this is that. But it's, you know, so the whole just relax thing, although people feel like that's the right thing to say, mm. it's it's not. And 
when your dialogue fails, you just ask, how can I support you? Yeah, well, and that was the question, that was literally this question I was going to ask. Like, yeah. What can, what can people say or do to support you? And you've just said it, so. Yeah, and I think just saying, do you want to go out for like a meet? Do you want to have a chat? Do you want to... Don't don't impose what you think. Mm. Ask questions. That's the best place to start. Yeah. So, oh, how's it going? How's your appointment? What do they say? What does that mean? Mm. Or, you know, um, do you want to go out for a bit? Or do you want to do something? Do, get your mind off it. You know, just ask. I would say start from a place of asking questions, not mm-hmm. imposing what you think is the best way to deal with infertility. Because especially if you've never been through it, you actually don't know. Yeah, you have you no know? idea. No. And... and like, for me, anyway, if somebody asks me the questions, I'm quite happy to explain things. And, my, like, my husband's family are very good because they ask me, like, right, what happened? What did they say? What does this mean? Blah, blah. Mm. And they gain understanding from that, you know. So the just relax thing does not work for black women, white women, any, any type of woman doesn't work. And I used to get really upset with that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't respond. And then so many people said it to me so many times that one day I just, I just start, someone said it to me, I just started crying. Because I was just oh, like, wow. you don't get mm. it. You don't get it. So I think people just need to be more mindful about what they say, how they say it. And like I'm saying, maybe just start from a place of questions. How mm. are you? Or how can I support you? Because yeah. people will want different things. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, I just want privacy. And that's fine. Yeah. Someone might say, I just, I just want to talk. And be a listening ear if you don't have anything asked to say you know I think just feeling like people are there for you um without telling you how to feel a lot of people who are dealing with an infertility feel like they're not meant to feel certain feelings Mm -hmm. because it's like oh no like let's say you tried for this month and then your period came and you're upset about it a lot of times we feel like we sh- we can't be upset about it because, yeah. oh, no, but you're so young. Oh, you know, you just relax. Well, no, I can't relax. Because yeah. this is what I want. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing. It's like if you if, if it was anything else in life that you wanted, yeah. people would say, you don't Go stop exactly. until you get what Go you want. Go for it, yeah. You know, listen to this motivational speaker. Do, yeah. this, do, do you know what I mean? We're very much a society based on, like, getting what you want. Exactly. But then all of a sudden... yeah. I mean, I can I can understand the element of, you know, you don't want to sh- stress, stress yourself yeah. out. I understand that. Yeah. But like you say, people need to be a bit more careful and mindful about how they yeah. deliver. Yeah. And intention saying. is fine, but like how it might be received is a, a completely different matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and people... And, and the other thing I'll say about infertility is every day especially before you get to the stage that I'm at where I know what's going to happen next. Every day is hard. So because every day is another day that you're not pregnant or that mm-hmm. you're not, you know, yeah. and it's it can be long. So if if you catch me on a day and I'm two years, ten months in and then you just say, just relax, I'll just be like, what? You yeah. know, so mm. it's it just seems very insensitive. Yeah. Because you're speaking from a place of absolutely, you don't know anything. Yeah. So I would say, ask, how can I support you? How can I be there for you? A lot of my friends, my closest friends, because they didn't know either, when I wrote my article, they were like, oh, we're really sorry we've been making all these baby jokes and stuff. But to be fair, because they're my friends, I did, I never took it personally. personal. Yeah. I was just like, no, no, it's fine. But they were like, no, no, but it's we now looking back, it just feels really insensitive mm. to be saying, oh, baby bubble coming soon, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, we're really sorry, but how can we 
be better. Mm. And I appreciated that yeah, so absolutely. much. I was just like, oh my, wow, you know? So I think, yeah, just start from that place. Mm. Definitely. It's different for everybody. Mine has been more internal. Other people have people badgering them 24-7 about this. That is awful. I can't, yeah. I can't imagine having to... I mean, for, I remember for me, given that I'd made a choice not to have any yeah. children once I knew I was okay, the constant, you know, you could walk to the shop and see your mum's friend or yeah. be at a function or yeah. just be, you know, literally, oh, yeah. so... Well, no, no kids yet, and looking at your stomach, and and I'm like, can I? Sorry, sorry. Can exactly. I just, can I just exist yeah. in this space? I'm quite happy to be in can right I now. Can I choose to be where I want to be? Who I want to be? When? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. I I feel I feel um, a part of me just felt a bit bad that I, um, my experience seems quite like. Oh, that's quite a nice experience. That was only internal, blah blah blah. Mm. But for me, it was it was get it was against the backdrop of my culture. Yeah. And like other people having babies, like seemingly easy because mm-hmm. I mean I don't know their story, but and being black and African, our identity, and just feeling like everybody else, it was happening. Mm. So even though nobody was badgering me, like. The inner, like, in my, my mind, I was just like, what is going on here? Mm. I know? guess you would get quite hypersensitive to... Yeah. Yeah. To it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we are going to... We, we're going to... Uh, on the side of, you know, this is going to be successful. Absolutely. And you are going to get the family that you deserve. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah. what is what is next for Unfertility? So, are mm. you going to keep us posted about your journey throughout the IVF process as well? Mm-hmm. Are you going to take a break? Like, what do you? What's your plans? Yeah. So, I've chosen not to blog in real time anyway about mm-hmm. my IVF process. Only um, just to protect that space and that process. And to keep it between me and my husband, Mm because normal people would have the privacy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But also because we don't really know what's going to happen at the end of it. And if it's good or not good, we wanted to be able to protect that space. Yeah. Um, So I won't be blogging about the IVF process in real time, but I will continue to blog about infertility-related stuff, because there's so many things to unpack and Mm -hmm. address and, and all of that. And hopefully, hopefully, if it works, then I will... At a time that is suitable as well, because yes. if I do yeah. get pregnant, I also don't really want to tell people that I'm pregnant, you know, that kind of thing. Um, when the time's right, I'll definitely go back to my own personal mm-hmm. experience, but it doesn't change the work that, that you're fertility, yeah, yeah, I'm still mm-hmm. going to definitely... And, and you know, and that's, and that's quite interesting what you said as well, because it's like, you almost have this additional hurdle to jump yeah. before you even start yeah. the pregnancy process exactly. and I remember vividly because I'd had I'd had a miscarriage before mm. and going through so you know you find out you're pregnant yeah and you're like oh wow okay yeah. cool and it's like okay well I just need to get past like nine weeks yeah then it's like 
okay, I just need to get past 12 weeks. Yeah. And for me, because I was at the point where I was like, okay, I'm ready. I want mm, this. Mm, mm. It was like every milestone was like, so I was like, oh, I just need to get to four months. Get yes. to four months. And it's like, oh, I just need to get to yeah. 25 weeks. You get there and then... Yeah. And and the thing is, I think, you know, whilst, whilst you're going through pregnancy, you're getting all of this, all these different things kind of, oh, this could happen, that could happen. And it's, uh, yeah. it's, you know, and it's like, you go into labour and you're still not even at the finishing line. Right? And it's, and honestly, it's like, a, it's like a constant, like... I'm really worried about that. I'm worried that I'll get pregnant and I'm going to be paranoid. Also because in the trying to conceive community online, like you hear so many horror stories. Like, I mean... Oh, really? You know, people losing their children, losing their babies and miscarriages and all these things going wrong, even after you've gone through three years of trying, IVF, mm. blah, blah, and things just ha going wrong when you're actually pregnant. Yeah. So you still have that to deal with, mm. you know, and I try not to think about it because I'm not there yet, but then I'm just thinking... How am I going to be... And I think that's another reason why I probably won't tell people I'm yeah, pregnant. Because... I understand that. I just... Yeah. I just wouldn't want that noise yes. around me. Mm -hmm. You know? And people will just suddenly see me with a baby one day, if, if that's the case. But I just... I'm really worried. Because you're there. And mm. then what happens when you lose a baby? After all that? It's things that you're going to have to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> If it happens, but yeah, mm. yeah. So I understand what you're saying That's about hard, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But let's end on a high note. Yes, yes. So, what <laughs> are your plans for this evening? Oh, I'm going to um, uh, Fela Kuti's birthday tribute concert at the Jazz Cafe. I love Fela. I absolutely love his music. Maybe let me say that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm going with a couple of my friends just to unwind, just forget about all this stuff for at least a night. Yes. And enjoy myself. Really. Good. Yeah. Get Good. back to, I think now I'm a bit more conscious about like, going back to the thing, I like going to concerts, I really enjoy yeah. it. So I'm just like, you know what, just keep doing. So I want to add another bit. This is another thing about infertility, you kind of put your life on pause. Hmm. Because you're doing this, especially when you're doing the investigations, like, oh, yeah, yeah, this, this, this. And you, you put it on pause because you're waiting for something. But the past three years have taught me that you might have another three years. Your life can't be on pause. Oh, yes, that's very true. For yeah. another three years. Mm. So I'm just trying to get back into the things I enjoy doing and me, like, seeing my friends and stuff. Because I even stopped, like, taking calls, not because... I don't want to talk, but because I know people are going to ask me, and sometimes mm. I'm not in the frame, frame of mind, mind yeah, to, to have a conversation. get into that, mm. you know, especially when you're like work week, I switch that off so I can yeah. get on with it. So yeah, just trying to enjoy mm -hmm. a bit more until obviously all this IVF starts again, which I don't know when that is. Mm. So yeah. Okay. So where can the listeners um, find you on social media, your blogs? Okay, so you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is at un underscore fertility. That's U-N underscore fertility. And my blog is unconventionalfertility.blog. But the easiest way would be to find me on IG because all the links are there that you need. Okay, fantastic. Mm. 
Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I've been really looking forward to you coming down. And it's been, it's been, we've had a nice chat off here, guys, yeah. as I do with most guests. But no, she's got a very lovely, very lovely aura <laughs> about her. And thank an you. amazing smile. Like, honestly, she has the most dazzling <laughs> smile. Oh my God. Don't. Why are you covering your mouth? Because you're going to make me just shine out. <laughs> no, it's been really good. Thank you so much. But guys, as always, you know, if you've been um, affected by anything we've spoken about, um, please head over to the resources page where I will put up some resources, um, I'll pop some support services links for you. Um, are you happy to like answer any questions absolutely. via IG and stuff like that yeah. so people can absolutely. reach out to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Um, guys, I just want to say... Um, which I'm going to be saying at the end of each episode now, um, that, you know, whilst we do speak about our traumas and stuff like that on here, this is not supposed to be a replacement for real, you know, mental wellbeing support. So, you know, if you are feeling like you're under a lot of stress or anxiety or depression because of whatever situation, um, again, you can head over to our resources page where... Um, we've got the Black and Asian um, Therapy Network and you can find a therapist who looks like you. Um, there's also other links for the Samaritans and so on. So just head over there. Um, have a fantastic week. I love you. And if you would like to unpack anything with me, you can catch me on IG. So DM me or you can send me an email at lovelydbear at gmail. Dot com. So yes, until next week, guys, um, it's going to be a wrap. Thank you again. Thank you Thank so you. much, Dee. Thank you.